The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, this is Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, I don't think God is as concerned with our pristine theology as we are. In fact, if you look at the Old and New Testament, you repeatedly find instances where God uses pagans and people with really bad theology to advance his purposes. Today, we're going to look at the fact that we might need more of a passionate faith and less of a pristine theology to move forward with faith that is powerful and life-transforming on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. You're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I am your host, Pastor Doug Bursch. So glad you could join me during this busy season. By the way, that theme music is my brother, Dan Bursch. You can pick up his songs through iTunes. Send, uh, I don't know what he gets for every download, maybe five cents or something. I, I don't know how that works, but you can download one of his songs. Uh, And hey, I am so thankful for those of you who've been interacting with the show. Now, I'm thankful for all of you. I I don't want this to be a works-based relationship, but it's so nice when you do things like text the show, uh, interact through our uh, Facebook page. I don't mention that much, but we also have a Fairly Spiritual Show Facebook page. Or when you go to the website, and certainly when you buy the book, those are all wonderful ways to interact with the show. But we do have a number uh, that you can text and say, hey, I'm listening. I enjoy what you're doing. Keep it going. Uh, Don't quit. You can do it, Doug. Uh, Here's a number that you can text, 360-818-4513. Just send a little text. Or if you don't like texting, if your thumbs are too big, you can also call and leave a message, and I will listen to your message. I will even maybe text you back or call you back if you want. If you don't want, that's fine. 360-818-4513. You can also go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. You can find past podcasts, past radio shows, uh, how to subscribe on iTunes, and uh, also find my book, uh, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. I want to thank those of you who've donated in the last few weeks. We are a month-to-month show. And in order for us to continue for the next three months, we need another $500 to come in. Uh, And what I mean is we need another $500 to come in for our budget once a month, basically. So if you're out there and you're saying, I can give $100, go to the, the website. $100 is huge. In our economy, that's a big deal. $25 is huge. If four of you give $25, I don't, I don't want to pretend and, and just kind of say general things. I'd like to have everything out in the open here. I'm continuing this show if people can donate. I'm continuing it on the radio if people donate, if it's self-sufficient. I'm not doing one of those things that if you donate, I put you on a mailing list and mail to you every week or every month. It's not that at all. It's just this. I give this plea. And if people keep donating, we stay on the air. If they don't, 
it goes off the air. It's completely just a faith expression. So uh, we need about you know about five hundred a month to come in with other matching donations that we have. We have some people matching. So to do that, could you please just donate and and assume this? Uh, because sometimes with radio, it's general and it's passive listening, or with podcast, it's passive listening. You you might assume, well, it's just going on whether I donate or not. It's kind of like public television, right? You're just these pledge breaks happen, but it doesn't matter whether I give or not. Public television has never gone off the air. And so you might feel that way about this show. But could you really understand this, that it is you I'm talking to? So if you value this and you want it to continue and you think there's a different spirit for this and you'd like a show like this to stay on Christian radio, then please, could you donate? The difference of it staying on the air or being able to expand into other markets would be you giving. It's that simple. So uh, $25 or $100 or, uh, you know, $100,000. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it, it matters. So go to fairlyspiritual.org and click on the donation page and you can donate that way. So again, thank you for those of you. Uh, when, when I see a donation, like some weeks, it's just one person gives $25. That's the kind of economy we have here. I, I don't want to hide it. I don't want to pretend we're something we're not. This isn't supported by my church. I don't do this to grow my church. I do this to facilitate a different climate, a different conversation in the church at large. This is not, I don't make any more money off this thing. <laughs> I would do other things with my life to make more money. This is a ministry endeavor. And in order for it to move forward, it moves forward based on your donations. So all that to be said, uh, fairlyspiritual.org is how you donate. You can certainly interact with the show. Uh, 360-818-4513 if you have more questions. Okay, so on today's show, I want to talk about something that might be controversial to people, but it really shouldn't be because it's biblical. Uh, God works when we have lousy theology. In fact, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, God works with people who have lousy theology. And this is important to understand because sometimes we limit God based on only listening to certain people or only interacting with certain people or are only associating with certain people that we believe have pristine theology. Or for us, we get stuck with this. We're like, I have to figure everything out about God in order to move forward. I've seen people who've come out of certain environments, particularly I've seen people come out of, let's see, extreme, oppressive, legalistic, religious environments, and they were hurt by those environments, and they come out of those environments, and then they have lots of questions and lots of concerns and there's lots of things they don't understand, and their their theology has sort of been shipwrecked. And because of that, they're reluctant to move forward, and they kind of live in this just doubt. They know what they don't like, and they, they tweet and post a lot about the things they don't like in life, but they have a lethargy in their faith. And it's, well, I just don't know what I believe anymore, and I don't know what I want to pursue, and they just kind of live in this lethargic faith. And their excuse sometimes is that because they don't really know what they believe or they don't know if their beliefs are authentic, they can't move forward. They use that idea because they're not certain like they used to be, they can't move forward in faith. But that's not really a biblical mindset because the Bible is full of people who had really terrible theology or had really incomplete understandings of God or only knew just a little bit of God, but God partnered with them because they just had faith to pursue him. That the element that we really need, the most important element to find God, is we need to seek God with all our heart. 
that it is true that if you don't seek God, you're not going to find him, that you truly do need a faith that just says, I'm going to pursue God. I'm just going to seek you. Hebrews 11, now this is misused, and so we often don't use this because people use it as a way, you know, a works gospel or as, or as a prosperity gospel. But in Hebrews 11, uh, the writer says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That is the principle of scripture, that we must believe that God exists and we must diligently seek him. You, you cannot find what you're not seeking. You cannot receive from the one you're not trying to receive from. Or at a simple level, uh, if you have a really nice chair in your house, and I'm sorry to compare God to a chair right now, but if you had a really nice chair in your house and you said, I love that chair, it's so comfortable, it's sturdy, it's the best chair to sit in, but you never sat in that chair and you never tested that chair, uh, you would never feel the measurements of that chair you would really never know that that was a good chair. The only way to know that that is a good chair is you have to actually sit in that chair. And the only way to actually know that God is good is you have to pursue God and allow God to pursue you or allow God to express his goodness in your life. It's a relationship. You cannot have a relationship when you isolate yourself from the one who is relating to you. So I wanna focus in on this because the Bible is full of stories where God works with people that he shouldn't be working with, at least people that we don't think he should be working with, where he works with pagans. He works with people who are worshiping other gods. He works with people who have contrary opinions about God, who have false idols, and he speaks to them and he reveals his plans to them because they have just a glimpse of an understanding of God because they just have a, just a minor understanding of who Messiah is. But because they have a passion, because they have a minor understanding, because they have a minor desire, God rewards that faith. And that's what I want to encourage you with today, that you don't have to have everything figured out. And in fact, you don't. And the people who think they have everything figured out don't as well. They don't. I know there's someone listening now who goes, I got it all figured out. You don't, you don't. Like those apologetics conferences where they say they have it all figured out, they don't. They don't. You don't have to have it all figured out. But I do believe this. If you want to grow in your faith, there has to come a time when you just say, I'm going to passionately pursue God. The scripture is full of examples of people who passionately pursued God. And it resulted in their faith growing and in their lives being transformed. And so I'm going to give you just three examples of where God just worked with pagans and look at how, because God works with pagans, we need to be open for him to work in our lives and in the lives with others. We're going to take a quick break and get right to that, okay? All right, you, you heard me talk about it a little bit more on today's show, but I, I just need to make this plea. Uh, if you feel like supporting this work, then today would be a great day to do it. We do the Wednesday podcast. We have the Friday radio show. If you want us to stay on the air on Fridays, if you want this ministry to expand, then please donate. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. Click on the donation page. A gift of $25, $50, $100, any amount keeps the radio show on the air. It's incredibly important that you see that you're the one who keeps the show on the air. It's not someone else. It's you. It's just us. It's just people like us. 
So if you want to do it, do it today. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. And those of you who've donated, thank you for your generous, kind heart. You've made all the difference in the world. Thank you. All right. Is that right for me to ask and just be honest there? I, I don't know. I just, just got to do that. Okay, this is what, this is what I'm going to bring up. So sometimes we think we need to have a perfect theology, a pristine theology, but, but we don't in order to find God. And God uses just, he uses pagans, he uses false religions to express his will. And you're saying, Doug, this isn't true. Well, I'll just show you one. I've been reading about the, the magi, right? The wise men. Uh, in your manger scene, most of us have incorrect manger scenes, right? You know, we got that whole manger scene set up. You got baby Jesus in the middle. You got the, you know, Mary and Joseph. And there's a shepherd boy there, some sheep. You know, he's got at least one camel and a donkey. And then we got the three wise men. But we know that the wise men uh, were not there at that time. Probably in the story, they came much later. Uh, we just know from the story that they saw the star and with, with when they connected with Herod, by the time they got there, the fact that Herod uh, killed every child that was two to three years or younger in, in Bethlehem or in that area means that they, they came later and they came to Mary's house and they to give the gifts. They didn't come to the stable. So I'm sorry to ruin everything. If you're By the way, if you're going to be accurate with your manger scene, you should have the three wise men uh, down, maybe downstairs or maybe down the hall, maybe in one of the bedrooms, just kind of wandering along, singing We Three Kings. We also know it's probably not three wise men. Uh, they brought, there's three gifts mentioning, but they don't mention how many wise men there are. And the wise men issue is probably not an issue, is probably the wrong word too, because we have magi there. And if you look at the magi, uh, probably the magi were priests of a different religion. Uh, now, this concept alone, we just sometimes move beyond. We just kind of go, okay, you know, that's fine. But the Magi, we'll call them the three kings, or we'll call them the three wise men. All these are just wise people. But we need to look in the biblical context that the Magi were actually priests of a different religion, uh, and Zoroastrianism is the religion. And Zoroastrianism is not Christianity. Of course, Christianity really hadn't started at that point. But it's not Judaism either. They had a monotheism, but they believed different beliefs. And they were into astrology, and they looked at the signs of the stars. They followed a different religion. They followed a different God. Yet in their religion, they had this concept that there would be some sort of Messiah born. And they had a belief that the stars and astrology would show them the way. Now, look at this. This is in our Christian Bible, in our New Testament. We have this story where God reveals to a different religion with different priests, contrary gospel, not our gospel, not our Old Testament, not our New Testament. Not, it's not in our line at all. It's a different faith, reveals to their priest through their astrology, through the stars, that Messiah is going to be born. And coming into our faith Come these outsiders, these foreigners, these people from another land come into our country and bring us the good news of God. I mean, that, that alone should shake up everything. Foreigners from another land with another faith and another view of God through their own prophetic books that we don't even know about get this view from their astrology that a star reveals Messiah. 
And then they come in and they are now a part of our Christmas story. They're in our manger scenes. They're in our sermons. They're in our New Testament. And they come into Herod and they let Herod, they ask Herod, you know, where is the king of the Jews born? And Herod gets upset with that. And Herod basically wants them to become informants so he can kill Jesus. And then God comes to these wise men. And again, we don't know how many there are. Comes to them in a dream and warns them not to tell Herod. So God now is working with these priests who, again, are not a part of our religion, quote-unquote. Now, we just absorb this. But that's not good theology. God, that's not good theology. You don't do that, God. You don't work through another religion in order to show your religion. But that's what God does. And it's important to look at this. But one of the things I see in the Magi, when I look at this, I go, well, God, why would you do this? Why would you confuse things like this? The one thing the Magi do, which probably none of us have ever done, is the Magi so much care about a Messiah that they change the course of their life and come from Persia and travel many, many miles and change the course of their existence for one purpose, to find Messiah. And the fact that even though their theology might be wrong and their view of God might be wrong and their view of almost everything might be wrong, but the fact that they've taken the whole course of their life and they've actually packed up their life and spent, I don't know how many weeks or months of their lives or even years of their lives to pursue Messiah, the fact that they would spend their life in passionate pursuit of Messiah was enough for God to reward them that their pursuit of Messiah was greater than them having a good theology. That their passion for Messiah was more important than the pristineness of their theology, if ever that was a theology that we should grab a hold of. That you might not understand everything about God. You might not understand. You're, you're confused about different principles. You're confused about different understandings. I don't quite know how salvation works, and I, I don't quite understand my positions on this, and I don't quite agree with what Doug says about this or what my pastor says about this or even what my husband or my wife says about this, and I'm confused. But regardless of the confusion or the differences of opinions, God rewards these magi with being a part of the Christmas story, because they passionately set their lives on a course towards Messiah. If you think I'm making too much out of this, this happens in the Old and New Testament. We see with, with Pharaoh and Joseph. In the Old Testament, God gives Pharaoh dreams that Joseph interprets to help uh, with, with famine throughout the land of Egypt and also to help with Joseph's family and to, to help with the Hebrews. Now, some of us just read that and go, that's, you know, that's cool. God gave Pharaoh a dream and Joseph interpreted it. Pharaoh was considered a god on earth. Pharaoh was considered like the sun god Ra on earth, and they worshipped Pharaoh. God gave someone that people worshipped a dream that rescued the people of Egypt. God almost codified their false religion by giving a dream to the one they worshiped that rescued the people of Egypt. Again, that's not good theology. Now, Pharaoh didn't understand the dream, and so it took a man of faith and a man who understood the one true God to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. But instead of Joseph just saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with Pharaoh because, you know, Pharaoh 
is a false god and worships a false god. No, Joseph understood that God had been speaking to Pharaoh. And so Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. This is why as Christians, we can never just pull ourselves away from culture and say, I will never listen to anything that man says because he doesn't worship my God. Or I will never believe that God is speaking to that person because he doesn't worship my God. Here's the reality. God is speaking to every single person on this planet. It's our job as Christians to help interpret what God is saying. This idea that without God, people don't hear God is false. People hear God all the time. They may not understand what's going on. They might be foolish in their interpretations. They might be wrong in how they apply what God is saying. But God is speaking to everyone on this earth. And God spoke to Pharaoh and God spoke to the Magi. And it goes on and on and on, these crazy revelations that should not have happened that we would not make room for in our understanding of how God should work. I look at Abraham. I look at the story. Well, here's, here's one story. Let me, let me get at another one here. Uh, the story of Samuel. You look at 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel starts out in just one of the most, like in our culture now, even when you look at like sexual ethics in our culture, you look at all the different ways of what we accept in our culture or don't accept in our culture, when you're just trying to figure out what's normal, what's right, and regardless of what you believe is right, and, and we're supposed to have strong convictions about what we believe is right. I'm not saying we aren't supposed to seek what is true. But many of us get caught. We're like, I don't know. But you look at the beginning of Samuel, and Samuel talks about uh, Elkanah, a man, and it says he had two wives. And it doesn't say, and that was a bad thing because you're not supposed to have two wives. It just says he had two wives. One of his wives was Hannah. And the other one was, uh, <laughs> I always pause, Penina. I want to say Panini. Penina. <laughs> and Penina was, was, had a, made a very tasty sandwich. No, Penina had children, it says, and Hannah had no children. And then it says Elkanah felt bad that Hannah had no children. And so it makes this man who has two wives very sympathetic. It doesn't say he's a bad person. It makes him a nice man who has two wives. It doesn't say polygamy is bad. And by the way, I think polygamy is bad. I don't think polygamy is right. I think usually the Bible puts polygamy in a bad light, but not here. Here it just says there's a man with two wives. Hannah can't have children. Uh, Penina can. Hannah gets in a place where they're her husband's treating her nice, but she can't have children. And she prays to God, and God answers her prayer. God didn't say, well, you got to get rid of, you know, you got to leave this relationship. You got to get out of this sin. No, he just reaches them in this crazy polygamous culture. And Samuel is born to Hannah, and Samuel is dedicated to the temple. And this amazing story of the life of Samuel occurs in this crazy, chaotic, pagan-like existence. I'm bringing up all these stories of Pharaoh and Joseph and, and Samuel coming out of a polygamous relationship or, or the Magi coming to proclaim Messiah being born to let us know that we don't remotely begin to understand how God operates and moves in this planet. But one thing is sure and one thing is important for us to understand today that God rewards those who diligently seek him. And what I think he's calling each of us to, to do today is not to try to worry about the minutia of our faith, but to renew in us a passion to pursue him with all our heart. You might not understand everything today, but you can pursue him with a passion. You might not have all your questions answered, but you can pursue him with a passion. And also the people around you, 
instead of having them have perfect, pristine theologies and perfect, pristine answers, maybe just encourage them to pursue Messiah. Maybe just encourage them to pursue a relationship with Jesus and talk far more about their relationship with Jesus than the minutiae of their theology. Maybe God will reveal himself to the people who seek him. And then we just have to deal with the reality of how crazy and confusing and ridiculous this world is. Maybe God will work it all out in the end. This season, pursue Messiah. That's what I love about the manger scene, right? It's all about a bunch of people coming to pursue the baby Jesus, right? They just all gather around that manger scene. You can pursue him today. That's what matters the most. And God will reward that pursuit. Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. I'd love it if you'd contact me. You can text me at 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. And yes, you can donate uh, for the show. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And yes, please pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. I'd love for you to read that and give me feedback as well. Make room for the Lord and pursue him with a passionate faith. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.